Welcome into the Keon Sports Podcast. Our guest today is Hector Guerrero. It's an honor of ours to have him on the show. Hector, welcome to Keon Sports. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Vince. It's my pleasure to be with you all. It's, uh, it's an honor, and thank you for the privilege. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, before we talk a little bit about your career and, and how it started there, and we'll get there in a second, I wanted to ask you, you know, what was your fondest memory of watching your father, Gory, be a part of the wrestling business while you were growing up? The fondest memory of my father? Golly, that he, uh, that, you know what, every, when we would get around the table and we would have dinner, and he was home because a lot of the times he wasn't home because he was out, you know, wrestling in other territories, so. When he would come home, we'd always we'd we'd always have uh, we'd always have food. We always we always have food, and you know, together have supper, and it would be a great time. And uh, uh, but we always discussed wrestling, whether it was amateur wrestling, because we he was very involved in our amateur careers in high school, and uh, we didn't have it in middle school, we didn't have it in uh, in elementary. But we did get some training done in uh, in Mexico with judo. I got two years of judo in Mexico and then a little bit of amateur in Mexico. But mostly my amateur was done with my father in uh, in the ring. Because I would work out for being an I would work out as an amateur and and with the pros, which are you know, completely something completely different, you know, because it's entertainment, but it's also very real. So there was a there was a a big contrast in learning uh, that way. But what what I remember fondest about my father is that he loved me like, you know, like God should. And I know we all have a father in heaven. If you believe in heaven, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yes, sir. I believe in Jesus. He's just my Lord and Savior. And I, and I, the more I find out about Heavenly Father, the more I am amazed at what the circumstances do about, about for us. But the fondest memories of that about my dad, Gory, was that, you know what? He was a God-fearing man. And he, and when I say God-fearing, that means he, he fears more God than he fears man. And uh, you can, you can, several people in the Bible are like that. You remember King David. King David was like that. He feared God more than man. But when he came to man, he killed the giant. But now he killed Goliath. Absolutely. My my dad, and another thing about what I liked about my dad, he always taught us how to wrestle correctly. He it was like a chess game for us. Uh, we went through the holes, but we were always trying to beat each other with the holes and trying to counter the counters and counter this counter, this counter that. And then when it when it when that projected into into amateur. It really helped because it, uh, when my dad would, would talk to me, he says, you know, it doesn't matter what the score is. If you pin the guy, it doesn't matter if he's beating you 10 to 0. If you pin the guy, you're winning and you won. So I would, I would my, my uh, wrestling coach in high school didn't like that mentality. He always wanted me ahead. But I, you know, I, I'd lag behind, lag behind, and when they respected, boom, I hit in the whatever it was, a cradle, you know, or a double chicken wing. I would walk across and say head scissor and down there they went, you know. It, it, just different things, you know. And, uh, you know, banana split, we used to call, we used to get them all like that, different things. But the good uh, good half Nelson with the crotch always helps. That's a good, that's a good way to pin a guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you said you, you had graduated, um, I want to say, seven. you just said in 1973, 
and your dad uh, and parents they gave you the option either go to school or uh, work full-time and then you chose you thought you were gonna go into the Navy your dad talked you out of it can you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah it was funny because uh, you know I I'm sure a lot of listeners are listening and their parents maybe gave them the same option, you know, because they said, hey, either you work or you go to school. <laughs> so, so I didn't, I was kind of, you know, as teenagers, we get kind of rebellious, you know, we want to do our own thing and, you know, we want to just do our own thing. And we realized that sooner or later we got to wake up to life. So I said, ah, the heck, and I had this buddy of mine, and he says, his name was David Baeza, and he says, hey, Hector, let's go join the Navy, man. Hmm. They're telling me the same thing. So we did the same thing. Excuse me. We're, I'm at home, but uh, ignore the telephone. So, <laughs> hold on. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so we were talking about uh, my time with, uh, you know, getting, deciding for me to go to the Navy. Well, a friend of mine, I had named his name David. Uh, him and I, uh, we decided to uh, join the Navy. We went. We actually joined the Navy, and we had to go in for. Our, we had we signed papers that day and everything, and then we had to go in for our physical. For it was about a week later, they told us we needed to go into physical. And I, at that time, once you got your physical, you couldn't back out. But you know, my dad caught me right before I went to the physical. <laughs> he called me into his office. And uh, remember now, my dad was a professional wrestler, but he was also a promoter. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, before Monday Night's Raw was, it was uh, Monday Night's in El Paso with Gory Guerrero, and he made it popular. And before, nobody thought that Monday Mondays was a good, good day to run. Because a lot of wrestling companies never thought that Mondays was a good way to run, and they would never run on Monday. Was my dad did, and my dad made it up a heck of a time. So, you know, Vince, my Vince McMahon might have a, a success, but we had it first. So, sure. sorry, sorry, <laughs> Vince, this we got it first. Anyway, so uh, coming down to that, my dad offered me. He says, "Come in the office." He says, "Hey, you know, it was about." Uh, why don't I get you started? And, I'm, and I was like, we had two promotions. We had one uh, rest, uh, one wrestling promotion in El Paso, which worked with the Funks, which was uh, talking about Dory Funk Sr., Terry and Dory, and they were the Amarillo office. And uh, you had a lot of, a lot of uh, championship and wrestling Florida uh, stars were there in Texas at that time. And uh, like Buddy Colt, uh, the Funks, you know, all these big names, you know, that were at that time, Ricky Romero, uh, Golly, the Beast, we got so many guys that used to come in, uh, Buddy Colt, such great wrestlers that, that came in at that time, but we were just teenagers, uh, Ciclone Negro, uh, so many great, great uh, legends, really, because those wrestlers were, I learned a lot from them just watching them wrestle. And they knew we wrestled too, you know, and they they, uh, they they treated us with respect as we treated them because we always treated people with respect. But uh, I, I finally got to start. My dad said started, and I started on a Saturday night, and uh, it was on TV in, in Juarez because we had our own company in Juarez too. So our, our Sundays, our Sundays we ran uh, Juarez at the Bullring, and then Mondays we ran El Paso at the El Paso Coliseum. But uh, the Mexican side was ours, with them, with totally ours. We trained wrestlers. We uh, we had our own stars. We had TV. We had TV for fifteen years, and uh, I was the announcer at that time. 
And my dad got me in, and so he says, you know what, we're going to start you. And so we stayed. You know, just kind of real, very, very thin. But uh, I won my first match and then lost for the next three or four months. Didn't win a match. But, you know, but it taught me a lot. Taught me a lot of lessons in my life. And and, uh, and and I was able to, to learn, you know what I mean? Learn, 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 learn. So uh, that's how I got my start. And I got it in Juarez, Mexico, which is right across the border. You have El Paso and then you have Juarez, which is their sister cities. Except one's in the United States and one is in Mexico. You know, and then eventually, you know, you wrestle for your dad. And there was this promotion, uh, everybody knows about it, it's famous, AWA. And, you know, what AWA, they they tried to do at the time to compete a little bit with the WWF and and, uh, NWA, was they would have these super shows, you know, and they call them Super Clash. Well, in Super Clash 3, you got to team with your brothers Mondo and Chavo as a part of a six-man tag. And on the opposite side, you know, one of the wrestlers was Cactus Jack McFoley. First, how cool. And then, uh, and then uh, there was, it was Mike uh, Davis and uh, his partner. It was, they used to call themselves the Rock and Roll RPM. That's what they were. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. And yeah, so they were, they were yeah, Tommy. His name was Todd. I can't remember his last name, Tommy. And yeah, yeah, they're great wrestlers too. Go ahead. Oh, no. How's, you're all good. How special was that night, you know, number one, to get the wrestles with your bro- wrestle with both of your brothers on such a big stage like that? Because there was a lot of people watching. It was a big deal. And also, you know, did you notice anything about Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, that you thought, hey, this guy could go on to do big things? Or was it just another night at the office for you all? Well, you know, uh, he's pretty much, Cactus Jack pretty much stayed away from us. <laughs> we, we were very aggressive. My dad had taught us to be ring generals, not ring whatever, you know, you know, not lieutenants, not soldiers. We were generals and we took over matches. It, just, it, was, it wasn't done on purpose. We just it's just natural. I don't, I look back at those, at those, at those, uh, you know, cause they're on YouTube and a lot of things. And I go back and I look and I go, man, I was, I was so aggressive. And I, I, I think about it, but it was just, just the way my dad had taught us to be. We were aggressive wrestlers and, and we will always look to make the match. That was the most important thing. And to entertain the people, that's, that's what you gotta do. You gotta entertain. And it's how you do it in the ring, but we also like to like to uh, what do you call it? Uh, have a little bit of competition in it, and that's the that's the old style of wrestling. We don't have that wrestling anymore. It's a long lost uh, long lost art. Mike uh, Graham, if you know who he is, yes, Mike Mike Graham committed suicide, which is unfortunately uh, when he did that, it broke my heart because he was he, he and I were very close friends, and I loved him as a friend. And uh, he treated me with uh, respect, and so did I. But he told me one day, and I'm talking about maybe two or three months before he passed. He said, Hector, he says, remember the way you and I wrestled? I go, yeah. And we were out, you know, we had been out a couple of bars and, you know, talking, you know, remembering old times. He said, remember the way we used to be? We used to wrestle? I said, yeah. So that's dying art. Yep. So... I wish I could bring that back again. I've, I've thought about putting up a school, you know, and I think about it, and it's, it's to me, it's in, it's engraved in me. It's never going to be, it's never going to be erased. I know what to do. I, I was, uh, I did a, like a, uh, what was it about? Uh, I, I do a consulting job. I have a consulting business, and uh, you can look me up under HectorWrestlingGuerrero.com, 
and you can see about uh, you got history of my life and history of the wrestling and all uh, my wife sells uh, merchandise on it. It's, it's again, it's Hector Wrestling Guerrero.com. And uh, so, uh, the main thing about about it is is uh, bringing back the old star wrestling. If I could do that, to, that would be a golden nugget. And I think the people will love it again yeah. because there's there's a lot of uncertainty of what's going to happen instead of choreography, which we see now. Yeah, we see these great moves, but great moves don't make a match. Nope. And the fans chanting, this is awesome. This is awesome. You know, it's, to me, forgive me, but that's okay. The The move is awesome. I, yeah, I take that back, you know. And unfortunately, you have, uh, I'm, you're going to get, you, you've hit a nerve there when you talk to me about, you know, when you let me talk about this. But, uh, oh, go right ahead. Uh, no, I believe me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, uh, when ECW came out, it was great because it was different. But, you know, if you need to break chairs or you need to uh, do a match in barbed wire, which we did, all of us did. We all did that. You know, we, I used to do chain matches and, uh, and Texas death matches, but we didn't do it every match. Right. We worked up, we worked up to it. And then you would maybe see one or two a year in a territory, if you like in a city, when you had cities, like, for example, the Amarillo Territory was uh, Amarillo, Lubbock, El Paso, Odessa, and then you had some other little towns where, which were spot shows. And and uh, some places in, Albu- in uh, Albuquerque sometimes, in New Mexico, and then, and, and then other places that were close by. So these were, these were, these were the main towns. And if you would, if you would see maybe at, uh, in El Paso, maybe uh, you might, you might uh, the whole year you might see three chain matches. Or you might see one or two cage matches because they built up to it, to where it was where it was something something. But when they came in, they were doing it all. They were breaking tables, breaking people on tables, jumping off the thing, this and that. And then what what's going to be the what's going to be the next big thing that you have to do? So, to me, when I saw that Eddie, my brother Eddie, Dean Malenko, and Chris Benoit went to work for them. And they were getting over, if you understand what I mean by getting over. Yeah, by wrestling. Yeah, they were just getting over by wrestling. The people wanted to see wrestling. And like Mike Rotondo said one time when we were were here in Florida, and they were having a big discussion about that, he just turned around and he says, what does it say on the marquee, gentlemen? And it says, wrestling. He says, and he just smiled and he looked at us. So (laughs) Mike Rotondo knew that because Mike Rotondo was a, a, a great amateur, I mean. Oh yeah, at, Sy- at Syracuse, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great amateur, and uh, and and good, good, good balance. Kind of like I, I see some wrestlers that are just natural wrestlers, and I'll t- I'll, t- I'll name you some names: Mike Rotundo, uh, uh Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. These are just natural. Kurt Angle's natural. You look at his body, the way his body is, where his waist is, how long his legs are, how long his, his arms are, his shoulders, his head. Everything. He's just a natural. He's got natural balance. Some of us, like uh, uh, some wrestlers that I know, and sort of me, like me, I got longer legs than, than, than upper body. So I got to, you know, my dad used to tell me, use your legs for your advantage, you know? So that's why I learned how to do head scissors. Yeah. I head scissors. So... We all have our, our, our differences, but these wrestlers that I tell you, those those are what you call core wrestlers. Like they're they're naturally made to wrestle, and they can wrestle. There's more than just that. Okay, you had Mr. Wrestling, 
uh, Gordon Nelson. That's the one I'm talking about. Mr. Wilson, too, I knew him, and he just passed in my, my, my deepest sympathies. He's a good, good friend of mine, too. Good, awesome buddy. And he was a great wrestler, too. There's a lot of good marine savvy wrestlers that knew how to wrestle, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy from England. Oh, God. William Regal? Oh, Lord Regal, yes. Oh, my God, yes. He's, he's a master of his craft. He, not this guy is like awesome. Uh, William Regal. But then you guys, you guys, you guys, the other guys are what you call catch as catch can. And those guys, wow, man, those guys are the real deal. Like you got, uh, I'll, tell, I'll tell you some names Carl Gotch, uh, Gene LaBelle, Tito Coppa. Uh, these were three of my mentors that uh, uh, taught me kind of, you know, kind of stretch me a little what they call stretch me yeah but you know I, I i can't say i was a great a great a great uh hooker which we call the you know the shooter but i tell you what uh i, I fought some of them some of the best ones okay. <laughs> I, got, I got stretched by them <laughs> and learned a lot from them tito copa was like a guy like five eight five seven and but he looked like a like a mountain, a little small mountain. He was ball headed and very hard to take down. And I saw him take down a guy that was twice his size and put him to sleep in, in Spain. So it's like wow. And then Carl Gotch, God, he, gosh, Gotch made his reputation worldwide, not only here in the United States but in Japan. And Japan used him for many many years and still has still had a lot of respect for him. And you you know another guy the Malenkos uh, the Malenkos are very good wrestlers you got sure. you got the, the Boris the dad uh, Dean and Jody but Jody's like a great shooter too and he's an awesome guy and he's a he's he's a good good partner in wrestling so he's he's a good guy. You know, Hector, let me ask you this because this is something that fans seem to stick on. But you know, so for me, I come from a wrestling family myself. Uh, all my uncles wrestled on my mom's side and my dad's side. Uh, my dad was an amateur wrestler. Even my uncle finished second in the state. So, you know, I like that kind of stuff too. Very, very much, you know, all the guys you mentioned. And, and that's the kind of thing, you know, even like a Scott Steiner. And, and, you know, when the Steiners first broke in, I love that kind of stuff. So for for me, it's confusing. And maybe you could help clear this up, you know. But in 1990, you obviously, you go to work for the WWF. And instead of them saying okay you know here's this guy who could really go in the ring comes from a great wrestling family they don't exploit that at all and instead they come up with this crazy turkey soup gimmick called the gobbly goop gobbly gooker and they do that instead so i, I have to ask you you know whose idea was that and and, and why in the world wouldn't, wouldn't they have said hey this guy could wrestle what are we doing here yeah, I know. I, I wasn't given a fair shake on that, uh, and I and I can and everybody can hear me say I was not given a fair shake on that. When they told me when uh, at first I was I was trying to get into the WWF. It was WWF then at that time. It wasn't WWE. I'll tell you why. You know why they got to be the WWE, right? Yeah, the World Wildlife Federation was going to sue them, so they switched yeah. it to, to entertainment, and then the, and the E in entertainment. That way, people could understand the freelancing and they can't get taxed to run shows. And there were, there was a lot of BS behind the scenes, but yep, that's why. That's, but, but do you know why WWF happened? No, go ahead. Let's see. Well, you know, a guy by Ted DiBiase, right? Sure. $6 million man, but he's also a Christian. You know that too, right? Absolutely. Well, he created a, he created a shirt 
and it said WWF, and it said World Wildlife. I'm no, I'm sorry. It said I'm sorry. Worldwide forgiveness. Okay. And John three eighteen. Ain't that beautiful? Uh huh. And uh, guess what? They stopped it. Oh, because of that? Oh yeah. And New York stopped it. I'm talking talking about WWF sure, at sure. that time. So man, you can't mess with the creator. No. If you, you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, karma came back and got him because they started screwing yeah. with Rod. Oh yeah. Right. So now, now that's something that you know. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to put the finger on it. But you know what? It's obvious and it's there. Yeah. If you didn't know that, now you know that. That's a great I knew story. That and and yes, and you know, with things with God, that's what that's what the thing is called: fear of God. I fear God more than man, and that's me. I've learned that from my dad. I learned that. From, I'm, I'm talking about my dad in heaven. I mm-hmm. learned that from my father in heaven to, to learn to fear him more than anything else. But anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about and uh, about that. So um, when the gobbledygooker, the uh, Vince, they. I, I was trying to get a hold of him because I was I was desperate. I needed I needed a job, so I got myself a, a gymnastics job, and I was teaching gymnastics in uh, Tennessee. Okay. I got a call, and they were one, and they they had I had called about three or four times before during the past year, and in one time, uh, well, who was it? One of the one of the one of the agents said, "Who's this?" And I said, "This is Hector Guerrero." And he said, uh, why are you calling here? I go, well, let's see if there's an opportunity. And he says, don't ever call here again. And they hung up on me. Jeez. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was Pat Patterson. So then they tried calling me. And it was Pat trying to call that time. And so <laughs> when I heard from Pat, you know what I did? I hung up on him. <laughs> because, because you know what? You know, come on. You know, you don't do that to a person, you know? So, so again, they do it again. So they call. Hey, don't, don't hang up, Hector, don't hang up. I hung up again. So, you know, about a day or two later, they try to call again. Hector, Hector, don't hang up, please. Vince wants to talk to you. So I said, okay. So, all right, who is this? This is Pat. I said, no, I, I was going to, I was getting ready. Said, no, 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 Vince is going to talk to you. Okay, I talked to Vince. So then I talked to Vince and he says, hey, I got this idea, you know, about, and he tells me that it's something for the kids, that they want to do something like the San Diego chicken. Remember the San Diego chicken? Absolutely. Okay, so they want to do something like that for wrestling for the kids, and I said, "Yeah, that's awesome." I, you know, me, I, I, I work with children. I, I'm a teacher right now. I'm a physical education teacher in here in uh, here in Florida, and uh, that's what I do. I've been teaching uh, for the last 22 years, and uh, going on to 23 now. Uh, but what I want to say is, is uh, it was for the children. So Vince had the right idea. Now, it was the wrong place. Yeah. At the Meadowlands, it was the wrong place because the Meadowlands is like, you know, you know, that's, you know, that, that, that public, that's, that's hardcore public, man, yep. for that kind of thing. So when I popped out of that egg, because they were going, hey, this is going to be exciting, you know, and this and that <laughs> and that. I guess they were expecting Hulk Hogan to come out of it, or they were expecting some kind of a diva. You know, if you know what they would have liked? They would have liked if, uh, if uh, China would have come out through there. You know what I mean? Sure. That's what they would have wanted. But, you know, and that popped out, and they were booing the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm hearing all these boos, right? I just <laughs> popped out of the egg. And I'm looking, and I'm looking at Gene, and then I get close to Gene, and Gene's got the mic down, so I, I told him, gee, they don't like it. 
he says, come on, kid, let's get it over. <laughs> so, uh, he, no, that goes to, that goes, you know, that's reputation on, on, on sure. uh, Gene, you know, to get it over. I, I had panicked because of the booze, but I would, you know, I was still going to go through with it. Yeah. So my, my thing was whether they boot the heck out of it or they yayed or they didn't yay, they, they did, whatever happened, I was going to go through with it because that's the way my dad taught me. Dad taught me never stop. Get it done. You know, no matter what the show goes on, you go, you get it done. So I was, I was getting ready to do that anyway, but he, Keith joined me. He wasn't supposed to, and he did. And we had lived the whole thing. And if you ever saw it, oh, yeah. he fell down. <laughs> I was doing all the stuff. Yeah. I flipped in, I flipped this, I did all this and that. And, and, you know, and dance with him and this and that. And we did the Turkey in the straw. And da, 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 da. I was doing all that <laughs> neat stuff with him. And you know what? The next day he was so sore. And he was, the guys, people at the office told me that he had bruises on his legs and all that. So I really felt bad because, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't trained for that. Yeah. I, I was, that's, I've been trained for that at that time. But uh, the kids that were there, they were really into it. I noticed that. The kids were happy and there were smiles in their little faces. <laughs> and they were, they were, they had their little hands up in the air and going, yay, yay. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we got that right, but this is the wrong place to do it. Yep. Yeah. So, go ahead. Why didn't you ever get a chance to wrestle for the WWF after that as, as Hector Guerrero? I mean, you, you did what they asked of you. How come there wasn't any kind of payoff? I feel like you deserved it. Well, listen, hold on. Let me, let, let me, let me give you some more. Let me give you some more info of what happened. Sure. So then, okay, so that first night, okay, we come back in. They all looked at me like I'd done the, the like i done the big boo boo, like I shit a, a puddle of, of shit in the middle of Vince's office. That's what do you understand? Yeah, that's absolutely. What they, that's what they were looking at me like. And I'm looking at myself, and I'm thinking to myself, "Damn, brother!" Since I went and did what I could, this this is not my idea. It's not my thing that they boot the shit out of it. Later on, I come to understand that you know I didn't I didn't I had never worked at the metal lens. This was the first time I had ever been out there in that public. If I would have known that that public was that, I would have said, Vince, you know, we don't need to do this. Now, interesting. We go to we go to Orlando, okay? WWE's going to Orlando, and Gobbly Cooker's there that night. And when I come out and I do the same routine, and I, I get one of the little kids up there, instead of, uh, you know, and I get in, I dance, and we did all things, and they went crazy, the whole crowd. But look where we were. We were in, in, uh, in you know, Disneyland world, uh, yeah. Universal world. You understand? Mm -hmm. This is that's where he should have done it. The gobbledygooker would have gotten over like gangbusters there, not anywhere else. Yeah. And then it could have, it could have, it could have been towards the, you know wherever we went, because the first night is your is your big your biggest your biggest thing. But it was Vince's idea, and he, his idea was right. It's just the wrong place. Now he should have known that, not me. Because I did not know his, his territory. If I knew his territory and I was part of his staff, I would have, would have maybe said something because I, I had that training. Why? Because I had a father that taught me that. My father, Gory Guerrero, taught me that. Yep. So, you know, I had that training. So, but later on, oh, and another thing too. So, so okay, so now we're in New York, in Madison Square Garden. And they come in to me, Gorilla Monsoon and Vince come in and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to showcase the the gooker tonight. So they're going to turn off all the lights and they're going to shine the lights on you and you're going to go up to the ring. And I said, okay. So this is the, uh, uh, I, I said the, the, one of the, one of the people there that was from the, uh, you know, from the, from the crew says, it, it says, can, let's go, you know, let's, let's take him so we can rehearse it. 
And he said, no, no, he don't need it. He can see it's good enough. That's what they said. Okay. So they, they, had, they trusted me with that. Okay, so okay, so here I am getting ready to come out at Master Square Garden. They turn off the lights and they shine the light right on me. And when that when that light hit me on me, I couldn't see nothing but white. Oh. Not black, not nothing. I couldn't see in front of me. I couldn't see. The only thing I could see was white. And the reason, because that mask had these these eyes. Remember the eyes of the, of the gobbledygooker? Oh, the big they tennis were, balls. Yeah, there were tennis balls and they had holes in it. Yep. So I could see. But all I could see was white because it just it just glared out. And, I, and they were pushing me from behind. You're on, you're on. I guess I'm screaming to them. I can't see. I can't see. And they, they pushed me and I fell. Oh, I no. got up, up and I, and I, and I, and I, I, I was blind. I kind of felt like feeling the, 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 you know, the wires, you know, the, the, yeah. the cables. And I got myself to the, to the, uh, to, to the ring. So then I'm the ring that still, I can't see nothing. So I, I feel the rope and I used to flip in. So I flipped in. And I landed on my ass because I couldn't see, I couldn't see, I couldn't see the floor. I couldn't see nothing. Everything's white. Just imagine everything being black. Now it's all white. So I'm flipping in. I can't see nothing. I can't see nothing. So finally they turned the lights on and I said, oh, okay. Now I can see, I can see the ring. I can see people. And they're laughing because I landed on my ass. So I got up and acted stupid and, and you know, and then made it a joke. And then I did my routine, got the kids out and got it over and, and, and then my cartwheels and around off and did things alive and brought a little kid, danced with them and this and that. Then came back in. So I come in and everybody's looking at me like they did the first night. Like I, like I shit, like I said, like I said, like I shit a big old puddle of poop in Vince's office. And I'm thinking to myself, oh shit. I just went there. I didn't even say nothing. I just walked in, went to the, went to my, went to the dressing room, opened the door, closed the door. And I mean, the dressing room. And then, and then finally Gorilla Monsoon comes in and he looks at me and he goes, you couldn't see, right? I go, you think? <laughs> and he's, he just smiled and he says, he just went like that with his hand, like, don't worry about it. And he walked away. So, so, okay. So now, you know, uh, I, had, I, I was, I had let go of my gymnastics job for this job. Yeah. So they had been before they were paying me a thousand dollars. They were giving me a thousand dollars when I was home before I ever got started with it. And then when I was making money, I was making pretty good money with it. You know, just going around with the boys and doing the, and doing the routine. Sure. And, uh, and and uh, so all of a sudden, boom, they just dropped the ball. I was in West Palm, and they dropped the ball. And I said, oh, man, I don't see me book myself. I wonder if they're going to send any money. They didn't send no money. They left. They, don't, they didn't talk to me for, like, from February all the way to maybe about the beginning or about the second week of October. Wow. Well, that time, I had already, I had already started independence. I was in Puerto Rico. So then they're trying to get a hold of me. They can't get a hold of me. Finally, I come home and then I find out. My wife tells me, hey, they're trying to get a hold of me. I said, well, they want you now. This, since they can't get a hold of you, they want you to send back to send back the, uh, the unit, you know, the, the costume. I go, well, I don't get who. I did. I sent it back. I wasn't going to send it back, but I said, no, nah, you know what? Send it back. And then they 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 uh, they, they sent me a release form for their, for their contract, which wasn't, they never said any money. They never gave me any, any, any type of money or anything so i said to myself oh well there you go so that was my quick stint in uh not even a year in in uh, in uh, wwf 
not even given a chance to wrestle or nothing. Yeah, that's a shame because I, I think he could have been great. And that was a, that was at a time they were making a transition pretty soon there from you know the big burly types like a Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and guys like that to the guys who could actually wrestle like the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels. You know, I, I think it would have been a, a good transition. However, in you know around that same time, a few year, you know a few years later, about five years later, in WCW, your brother Eddie and your nephew Chavo had a considerable amount of success in the WCW boom period while while they were you know doing huge numbers, because they along with Eddie and and um sorry you know Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, they were there with guys who could actually wrestle and the fans were loving that Chris Jericho and on down the line. So while you were seeing that with, you know, Eddie and Chavo, did you ever consider, you know, because I know you were there real briefly for a one-off with WCW, but did you ever consider working for WCW full-time, you know, with your family members? You know what, there's, you, you got to understand, let's, let's talk, I'm going to talk to your reality. You, just like you have businesses and you have people that are, have clicks, you know what I mean by a click? Absolutely. Okay, there were clicks in WCW. There were clicks in WWF, and 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 you better be in the in the McMahon's click if you work for WWF. And I'm talking about all McMahon's, sure. from Shane to, to to Vince, you know, to to his daughter. Every you better be you better be there. You understand? Yep. Because if they don't want you there, you're not going to wrestle. And if you don't wrestle, you ain't making money. Right. And if they say uh, you know they, they they put a bad word about you, no, you're you're gone, brother. So it's 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 a lot of it's you know there's there's very few wrestlers that have transcended that they can transcend uh you know the circumstance and one of them was el santo if you remember el santo at uh, mexico mm-hmm. he he was a very 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 such 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 popularity that anybody he could work for anybody in mexico they had the same situations you had to empresa uh, mexicana lucha libre and then later on became cmll and they were what you call the luteroff which my dad worked for, but El Santo could work for anybody. And, and like uh, in Mexico, Luderoff was like Vince's right now. Okay. And if you work for Luderoff, you work for Vince. Another like you work for Luderoff, you you, you know you were that was the main thing, you know. And all the other little companies were just little companies, were little 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 wrestlers. But then all of a sudden, you know, about eh, seven or eight, nine, ten guys that were that were in in the uh, you know. And the Luderoff, the Luderoff organization, they all broke away because they were tired of getting paid very, very minimal. And and they were getting very little money, and he was abusing them really bad. So then they, these promoters start booking them, and they're making 10 times as much as they were with Luderoff. So they, all of a sudden, now you've got a big, big uh, independent situation, and you have, and, and now you get a guy by the name of Francisco Flores, and he creates the, the a company, the independents. And he puts all the independent promoters together and he makes it a company. And they start, and he becomes the booking officer. He made a lot of money. I worked with uh, Mr. Flores many, many, many times. And uh, a lot of promises, but he never, he never, he never, he never, uh, he never did any good to. You know, like, oh, Mr. Guerrero, you're looking so good. We're going to put the welterweight championship on you. And then they come back and tell me, well, we can't take it off the Hano because, you know, this and this and that. And I'm looking at it. I go, hey, man, just let me get out there and let me do my thing. And if you think I'm not getting any good, 
you know, then all right. If you want to keep it on them, all right. But, you know, but if I get out there and I can do my thing and I can turn on the public and I can wrestle, do something with me. Don't just leave me as a, as a, as a nobody. Well, things happen, things happen there, there. But you know what? If you're not the owner and you're not the person with the money, they're going to play their favorites, and they always will. And that's what the, that's what all companies do. Even the even the uh, even the independents do. That's what Vince does. That's what uh, you know. That's everybody. They all do. We did too. The girls when we had our dark blessing business, we played our favorites. Naturally, we had our family. We took care of our family, but we had we knew guys that could wrestle. And those are the ones that we pushed ahead. My dad was more of a guy that that uh, that would uh, actually actually would uh you know be be fair about that and he was he was so honest that you know my mom said you know they do it they will do him wrong but you know what that's because you have to fear god that's what i talk about being a fear of god yeah you know and the thing too to me which i thought was pretty incredible is um you know eddie and chavo still you know were able to shine with their time there, you know, despite the clicks, and there was, and then eventually they were able to break free and and get off to, you know, WWE and begin that path, and it seemed like after a while, finally Vince McMahon had to listen to the fans, and they gave Eddie the push he deserved. While all this was going on, you know, you know him, you're you're his brother, and, and you know, family's tight. You understood some of the, the struggles he was going through with with the demons that he had. How proud of you, were, how proud of him were you to see you know, Eddie turned his life around, give give his life to Christ, and and be able to beat those demons. Just, I'm, it had to be amazing for you as his brother. Yes, it was, and he had several bouts with circumstances, and then when one through one of them, Vicky decided to divorce. Right. This is what people don't understand. When Vicky, you know, the Vicky, Vicky, all right, she's his wife now, and you know, and she's taking advantage of the circumstances. I understand that, and you know, and I'm glad that she's made what she's made, and this is not to get back at her or nothing. But I'm going to talk the truth because people need to know the truth. Sure. Okay. When when Vicky decided to, when he, my brother went through some circumstances with uh, with uh, when he first got hired by Vince, and then he got drunk one night here, and he got a DUI. Here in here in uh, in that Florida where we both live, and they let him go. Well, you know, I went to pick him up, but uh, I went and uh, a, a friend of ours bailed him out. I, but I was the one that went and picked him up for you know out of, out of jail, and got him out. And then uh, was with him, and through all the times that he went through these uh, these emotional circumstances. He called me about eleven thirty at night, and man, I need to see you, man. And I'm in uh, I'm in Brandon, Florida, and he's in uh, North Tampa, and I'm I'm driving about forty five minutes just to get to see him, and then I'm there, and then coming back, I'll be here about two or three in the morning. You have to get up at six thirty, go work uh, as a as a teacher. So, sure. so uh, where where was Vicky and where was everybody else when those things were happening? You understand? Oh yeah. yeah. Where was his? Where was? Where was he? Where were they when he had his darkest, darkest times, and when he was really questioning? Even you know, I was, I was afraid he might do something stupid, like you know, yeah, might do his, might do his end. So I didn't want to do that. So I, I went, and it wasn't one, two, three, or nine. My wife will attest to that. I mean, many, many nights, and spend uh, you know as much as I could, and then come back, wrestle. Then he'd be calling me sometimes during the day, man. Hey, can we get together? Yeah, man, let's get together. So then, uh, what brought Eddie through, and the truth is, was the, the Lord. 
we started, you know, reading the Bible. And I, I said, you know what, this gives me peace when I read the Bible out loud. So he started reading his Bible out loud. And before you know it, man, he's starting to tell me things that are beautiful in God's word. And I'm, I'm rejoicing because he's, he's learning so much. And so now he starts working for independence and he starts making a lot of money in independence. I think you heard about that. So he was making very, very much money. So, so then, you know, he went to Japan. So when he went to Japan, they were, they were wanting him to sign a contract. But uh, Dean, which was now not working for, uh, for Vince, through him, they invented the, the, the office, WWE or WWF at that time. They contacted him uh, not to sign anything because they were interested again. Sure. Well, naturally, he came home and yeah, and it started and one thing, you know, spiraled from one thing to another, you know, and then they, the girls came in with him and Chavo Jr. And that was a great tag team. And then, you know, the circumstances and then finally he's, he's sent to, to, to being a world champion, which was a uh, God-given, a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, it was one of the, it was one of the most touching and emotional moments in wrestling history. Uh, still talked about and cherished today when he beat Brock Lesnar for that title. It it really showed you know what you could do to overcome all of that. Um, you know, do you feel that you know obviously then he he passed away about a year and a half later after that happened. Do you feel you know obviously he was at peace and his legacy w- was where it should have been. I mean, I kind of feel like he got that second chance. And, and started to believe in God more so, and like you said, studying the Bible, and was able to fulfill the story that he that you know he should have. I mean, do you feel obviously it ended way way too soon, but do you feel that it, at least it ended like it should have with with him on top? I'm going to share something with you, and uh, I hope people uh, realize the the beauty of it and uh, give God the glory. And I'll tell you something about uh, the last days. Then he saw my mother. Sure. He was he was doing a thing with the thing with the uh, Mysterio. He didn't he didn't touch me with touch base with me too much because I was trying to tell him that I I didn't like that shirt he was doing and the gimmick he was doing about I'm your poppy. Right. And I was going to talk to him about that. I wanted because it was Christian understanding, and I had a I think he knew that I wanted to talk to him about it and he had avoided. Uh, you know, he would say hi, and we would say hi, and this and that when we were had an opportunity, but we had never got an opportunity to get close down to talking about it. And I wanted to talk to him about it. But uh, the last days, uh, he had gone to a doctor, and he had been very, very, very sick. And uh, Vicky had told my mother that. And I'm telling you what my mother told me. So uh, my mother was the last to see him about a day before he passed. So, uh, and Vicky was the kid with the girls and they all went for, for breakfast. And then he was supposed to catch a flight and then go to uh, Minneapolis, I think it was. It yes. was up in, up there in Minnesota. It was in Minnesota. Yep. And then that night, you know, it's whatever, whatever happened, happened. And I think that the Lord just came and took him away. And I'll explain something to you. And it's okay that the fans hear this because you know what? God gets the glory because I believe God is with uh, Eddie's with God right now. Now, when he when he was leaving, when my mom was leaving, because my mom had her little car, she had gone to his house and they went to eat and then that. My mom said that she was looking in her rear mirror 
this almost makes me break up because she was running after my mother's car. And my mom stopped and she, she rolled down the window and said, hey, hey, what's up, what's up? And then he went to her, looked at her and said, Bob, I love you. Sorry, but they were a little emotional. Okay. So uh, she rolled up the window and she said, okay, I, I love you too. And, and, you know, and so he took off. I mean, she, she took off and then, well, the next morning, all that happened. Well, what I hear, Chavo Jr., Chavo Jr. informed me that they got, they were meeting, they they, they had shepherd flights because they, he was uh, out of Florida and, and Jr. was out of California, I think, and they met up in the middle somewhere. And then they got the same flight going in into uh, into uh, Minneapolis. So uh, Jr. said that he was, he was happy as always, you know, and that he had a, he had a first class seat and Jr. had a, a, a coach, a coach class seat. Mm-hmm. So he said he he said he gave up his his high class seat to go sit down with Junior to be next to him. Sure, you know, and that's the kind of Eddie, the kind of guy Eddie was, you know. And so he 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 did that, and uh, Junior said that he gave him some kind of ear pod. He kept some like not ear pods, but some ear things that for the phone. And yeah. so here, man, here I want to give them to you. No, no, man, it's yours. No, no, man, I want to give them to you. So Eddie gave it to him. So then they 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 made a they made a, a, a you know a, a rendezvous point in the morning at night you know hey yeah. you know let's just get up in the morning let's go work out so, yeah 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 let's do it right before the show okay yeah let's do it so then the next thing Chavo Junior told me is that he didn't hear he didn't hear from Eddie I mean uh, he he heard from the from the office calling him that Eddie wasn't answering the phone. And that they had done three wake-up calls for him that he had asked for, and they none, none of them had that they, that they wanted to go check up on him. And and Charlie Jr. said, "Yeah." He said, "But we need your permission to go in." And he says, "Yeah, yeah, let's go. I'll beat you there." So they said they were going to have to cut through the bolt. Right. So they did. So Eddie was face down, and uh, he had a toothbrush in his hand and toothpaste in his mouth. So I don't know if it was during when he was going to sleep or he was getting up. But then Junior said that when he turned him over and he saw him and he looked at him, and he had a, he said he had a face of, uh, of peace, very peaceful face. And that uh, he said, Eddie, 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 Eddie. And then he said, hey, something's wrong. And so the, um, the guy, one of the, you know, he was one of the cops there. He knew CPR. And so boom, he jumped on Eddie right away and started CPR. Well, they called the paramedics, and then they did all that. That they didn't finally pronounced him, you know, that he wasn't there anymore. But uh, I, 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 I never shared that with anybody, and I'm sharing that with you because sometimes people like to know about God. I tell you what, I was about oh seven, eight months after Eddie's passed, and I really didn't like to talk to any fans because some fans are very, very ignorant and very, forgive my word, stupid. And with the things that they ask you about, things like that. Yeah. So I didn't want to talk to nobody. So I would, I secluded myself for about, oh, I can't, it's like I'm saying, seven, eight months, you know, I secluded myself from everybody. Well, I talked to my family, but I, I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to talk to no fans. I didn't want to, even friends, I just stayed away. I was very, very quiet, you know, in myself, in my room. So, uh, uh, my wife was talking to me, and then she says, "I'm going to go take a nap. I'll be, I'll be back." 
So my wife comes back down and she's got a bewildered look on her face. And I go, what's up? She goes, uh, I just saw Eddie. I go, what? I said, come on, he's, you know, he's not here. No, no, I said, I closed my eyes. I, said, I saw Eddie. I go, really? And, and did he say anything to you? How did he look? He said, no, like the way you know. Was he talking to you? Was he, no, it's just a picture of him. He said, and then he said, he said, how's my brother? And then uh, my wife said, well, he said, he misses you. And then we all miss you. And he says, you know what? Tell him I'm okay here. But he said, tell him I'm good here. He used the word good. And tell him I'm good here. And he repeated himself, tell him I'm good here. And then that's it. And so she told me to give me the message. Now me, as a Christian, I know what the word good means. When Jesus was told that, was approached one time and said, good master, good master, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus turned around and told that, that young, young ruler, because it was a young ruler, he says, nobody's good but God. So I know in my understanding that Eddie was with God. That's what he was telling me. And we don't always get those circumstances that, that, are, that are like that. But that's where I know my brother is. And knowing his faith and knowing how he stood up for being a Christian and knowing how he declared himself being a Christian and not denying it and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and being that being his, 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 his ground he stood up on for salvation, I know he's there. That's beautiful. That is really, really beautiful. I'm, I'm, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I only got a couple of questions left for you here, and I, I do appreciate okay. you taking the time. Um, you mentioned her name there, obviously Vicky. Um, did it surprise you, you know, cause none of as fans and, and now me being a journalist and everything at the time, um, back then I was just a fan. It kind of surprised me. No one, I don't think anybody saw it coming that she would have, she would go on to have almost a decade long run with the WWE and had a lot of success was, was Eddie's family, were you guys surprised by this, that she was able to, you know, I don't want to use the word capitalize cause I, I, that sounds wrong. But that she was able to, I don't even know. Again, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't want to use that word capitalized because it just sounds bad. But, you know, that she was able to have that run. Well, you know what? It, it was meant to be. You know, I'm, I'm glad she got that run. I'm to be honest to you because, you know, that paid, you know, that helped her live. Yep. You know what I mean? Now, the way she's done it and the way that she has, uh, she has portrayed to the rest of the family, I'm not in agreement with that. Because, you know what? Uh, Guerrero was our name, and it is our name. And you know what? She married into it. And uh, Vince used that against us. And he, especially with me, Vince McMahon does not like me. I know that. Eddie would tell me, what did you do to Vince? What have you ever done to Vince? I go, I don't know what I've done to McMahon. I've never done anything to him. You know? But yeah. I don't know. He just, he just hates me. So I, I, I said, screw it. You know? Well, well, you want to be that way? You know? I don't, I don't need you. You know, I got a degree, and when I might not make the billions they make, you know, but I make I make I make an honest living, yeah. and I do it, you know, out of the sweat of my brow, and I'm doing and I'm doing it for I think a great cause, teaching children, you know, how to stay healthy because that's what physical education is in elementary because I teach elementary kids. Yep. So uh, what she done. I mean, it's natural that she did, you know. The, the, the family, Vicky's family, was, when, at Eddie's funeral, they were very, very nasty to the Doral family. Uh, I mean, very nasty. 
And I could talk about her brothers doing some things that, that have done it. I won't say that because, but in the rest of circumstances that happened, and Vicky knows about that. So if she ever says it says anything to you, it says, hey, well, Hector says there's some circumstances that you, you, you shouldn't be too proud of about your family doing something to your own family. So, I mean, it, you know, they, they want to bring out the, they want to bring out the, the crap. That's what it is. Well, you know, I'm not there to, I'm not there to collect it for them. Neither am I to bring out my own and put it against them or smear it against them. I'm, I'm there that, you know, we might, all right, so it's, it's forgiven. You know, it's, 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 it's life, bro. You know, right. But maybe I might've done the same thing. You know, maybe, maybe it'll happen to them. You know, they don't realize that what goes around comes around. And it's, that's the world's way of saying it. But the real way of saying it is, you know, what goes around comes around is the world's way. But in the Bible is, you know, what you plant, you sow. Yeah. So, yeah. You understand? So somewhere along the line, we all, we all sow. Cause uh, I, I, I've, I've uh, reaped some stuff in my life, in my personal life, and and, uh, and I'm to the point of where I almost thought I was going to die with the circumstances happening to me. And and uh, when God come, got a hold of me, and actually I felt His love and His and His tender His tenderness towards me, and He grabbed me and He said, "You know what? He says this is what happens when you do what you do. He says, and this is what you've reaped." And it was very hard to take from me at that time. And it hurt me really more than you could ever ask or think. And it just, it just, wow, it was crazy about it. I, I, it really messed with me. But, and I learned and learned and learned. And so far now I'm, you know, I'm learning again. And so if, if that's what's going to happen to her, I hope, you know, there's mercy there. She needs to pray for mercy. Because we never did anything wrong to her. And never did I ever do anything wrong to her. All I've done is ever, if I've ever spoken anything, I've spoken the truth about her. She got all wired up one time about me saying something about it when uh, in the uh, Miami Herald. Because Miami came to talk to me about it, and I told them, well, yeah. And I told them the truth. And she really got peeled about it and sent a bunch of nasty emails to us, to the family, and to me. Except my wife, who was not a, she fired back, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My, they wife, do. She my wife, she'll fire back. She fired <laughs> right back at her. But, uh, I mean, if that's not, you know, look what's happening in America right now. You know, come on, we need to, we need to learn to live with each other. Okay. All lives matter, not just black lives matter. You know, they have this thing called, the, what is it, a Juneteenth? And that's that's because of the, the declaration of that's so away. So I'm saying I'm a Mexican, right? So when when are we gonna have Vato Day? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey well, you know, hey, well, can I have my Vato Day? You know? Yeah. Come on, it's, it's it's ridiculous. Now come on. You know, all well, right. You know, my wife said something about uh you know, Israel was uh was uh, uh, uh slaves to, to Egypt for four hundred years. And then when they, you know, they didn't come back and say, hey, you know, you treated us as slaves and this and this and that. No, you know, I mean, come on, they're not the only persons that have been slaves. So, well, I do respect them and I do, and it's, it's not having to do anything with race or color. Because we all, we all bleed red. All of us bleed red. No matter what color we look like. Yep. We all, we all 
world you think different. We've all been raised up different. That's the truth. But we need to learn how to forgive each other. That's true. Okay. Now, I got to agree 100%. I think you hit everything on the head a million times over. Um, you know, my, my last question for you here today, and I appreciate you taking the, you know, almost an hour of our time here to do this is great. Um, one last question for you. And thank you again on behalf of everybody at Keon Sports. How do you want the Guerrero family uh, name to be remembered in wrestling and as, uh, as human beings? Well, you know what? I want them to understand this, that the Guerrero family was raised, as a, raised up as a Christian family. And I've, each of us have, has learned the fear of God in our own way. I've learned it. I've learned it probably, you know, in my own way. And I know that I, everybody's got their way of learning. So I can't say this was easier or that was easier for that person. But I'd like for them to realize that, yeah, God is number one in my life as far as this Guerrero goes. And uh, I can't speak of my other brothers and sisters because I can't speak of anybody, not even my own wife, about that. Because we all have to have to have that personal thing. That's each uh, our own perspective but this guerrero as being a christian and so was gory and so was chavo and so was mambo and so was eddie and so was my sisters linda and cookie and so was my mother linda so each of us you know have our have our relationship with god but as far as the wrestling business goes i want you to you know when wrestling was an art when it was like a chess game because that's the way i was taught to wrestle i was taught to wrestle you know you know, you grab a headlock, I'm going to reverse your headlock, buddy. Uh, you got to stay in the headlock. No, that's not what we talked about. No, well, I don't talk about it. I do it. That's what. That's the way it was with me. You know, I don't. I used to get guys to come try to choreograph the matches in front of me. I said, you know what? If we do this, we do And I said, you know what? Just go out there and wrestle me. And he goes, no. And he goes, don't didn't they teach you how to wrestle? Yeah. And they, you know, that's what I would tell them. I said, don't they teach you how to wrestle? And they go... Well, yeah, but you know we need to talk about. It. He said that's not wrestling; that's choreography. I, I don't I don't choreography. Okay, we this is how we wrestle. Grab a headlock. I'm gonna reverse your headlock. You grab you reverse my my arm bar. I'll reverse it in there. I'll take you down with one leg. You can you can reverse my other one. So everything 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 goes and goes and goes like uh, it's like a chess game. And if and if and if we could be remembered as those those wrestlers that did that and if you can see some of the matches that we had i mean as brothers uh you know we had a lot of matches and before that one that you had mentioned me earlier and at the clash remember mm -hmm. you gotta know that, that we had wrestled as tag teams uh in mexico and uh, in california so many times the girls were a big draw in california my oldest brother Charlie was a big draw in California. He's the one that, you know, they started it at that time. And then my dad came in, Mamba came in, I came in, and then they brought in the whole family. Eddie was too small at that time. Right. But but uh, California was another one. I mean, I, I went to many territories. I went to Washington State, I went, you know, in Oregon. You know, I went to, uh, that was called the Northwest Territory. You know, I did Florida. I, I'm still in Florida. And then I did Tennessee, and then I did uh, Carolinas, you know. Uh, very, very few stops at, uh, at, uh, at New York because of what's heard, the circumstance that happened. But I also did Texas, and, you know, we went around. Now, we worked for the AWA, and they loved working with us, and they loved us. And we had a lot of respect for Vince, uh, for, uh, forgive me, for, uh, for Vern Gagne. Mm -hmm. A lot of respect for Vern. Another actual wrestler. Yeah, another wrestler. And he, they loved it with us because, you know, they said, hey, you know, 
They loved it because they didn't have to tell us anything. We knew how to go out there and wrestle. And uh, mostly, a lot of guys that I've wrestled in my life, in the independence, I had to teach or had to guide them because they didn't know what to do. And that's maybe because they they don't really, sometimes they just put them to, that's what we call green, they're green. And they put them into the ring too quick. And uh, they think they're ready, but they're really not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I'm gonna, since we're this situation is saying something, you know, they, they say uh, superstars are wrestlers. No, there's no superstar. There's the only superstar is Jesus. And that's the only one that I, I, I see. And that one company calls them, calls them superstars. There's no superstars. If you want to call superstars, you'd have to call a lot of great, great wrestlers superstars. And we could start back from Strangler Lewis and and uh, and what was it, uh, Carl and Hess and all all these other wrestlers that used to call Gotch and the all the, the ones that were before us. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and they, they started wrestling. You know, they were they were the ones that you would like to talk to them. But they were the real deal, man. They were the guys that knew how to wrestle and knew how to how to take anybody on and, and beat them too, because that's the way they were. It was, it was done in the carnies. I don't know if you knew that. Sure. That's how wrestling got started. Yep. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. I wanted to say thank you on behalf of myself, my family and everybody here with Keon sports. And, uh, thank you again. We want to wish you nothing but the best of luck. And, uh, you, you are always, you know, welcome to come back anytime you want to talk. We will be here. Thank you, Vince. Thank you for letting me letting me vent. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I like I said, I, I come. Hey, you know what? I come from a wrestling family myself, actual amateur wrestling. So you know, I get it. I got a lot of respect for amateurs, and and I really love that. I see this. I I watch it. I look for it. I look for it on TV. Anything that's amateur, man, I'm right into it, man. I love it. I love to see the. I love seeing the, the matches. Yeah, me too. Well, you know, you have a good you know rest of your day, and and we'll stay in touch with you, sir. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Vince. And, uh, and I want to say to the people, you know, if I've offended anybody, please forgive me. I, uh, that's, that was not my intention. And uh, my intention is always to do well to people. Yeah, and I hope, uh, I hope that what you, you know, those that are acquiring to be wrestlers, that they get their dream come true. But they, I hope they learn their skill. And that's my, my advice to them. Learn your skill. What is the skill? It's called wrestling. Like it says on the marquee, gentlemen, wrestling. That's <laughs> As Mike Rotunda said, wrestling on the marquee. Okay, buddy? Absolutely. That's great. That is absolutely great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And you have a wonderful rest of your day, okay? All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir.